Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. This is Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank, on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Toodaloo and high. Jesus, those headphones are loud. Ah. Okay. All right. The ringing has stopped. Cool. Awesome. Uh, Welcome to it. It is Leprechaun Lunch, powered by the fine folks at First State Bank. I am Jimmy Rosari. Kicking off your uh, your football weekend in in grand fashion, Notre Dame. It, it's going to be a little bit quieter than than usual, but still Notre Dame on the road this week at uh, at North Carolina, heading to Chapel Hill uh, as we speak, and uh, they they finally got a win last week. <laughs> they finally got a win, and I had fun doing the post game show with Reggie last week. So hey, it it all shook out pretty darn nicely. At least in my world. Wasn't quite as, uh, <laughs> it definitely wasn't as, uh, as doom and gloom as, uh, as after the Marshall game. But, you know, let's, let's just not talk about that. Um, of course, Notre Dame did have their trouble still with Cal. Uh, we all saw the first half. Oh. That wasn't great. That was not great at all. Not not great. Not great. In fact, you probably couldn't even call it good. Um, <clears throat> there there were times I, I remember putting in my notes. Uh, I remember at times just putting putting down there. Drew Pine can't hit the broadside of a barn right now, and he looked he looked like he was in his own head. He looked like he was nervous. He looked a little bit unprepared. And then Tommy Reese got on the phone and, and chewed him out and, you know, made a made a fantastic meme out of everything. So, funny how things uh, just kind of turn around real quick like that. That uh, that first half touchdown drive uh, that Notre Dame had, that was, that was seriously the first time that the Notre Dame offense actually looked like it had a little bit of fire to it. Like... Two and a half games leading up to that. For two and a half games leading up to that. Up to that point. It looked lethargic. It looked... Um, huh, looked bad. <laughs> there, there were times where it's just like... What? I thought uh, I thought we were well on our way to uh, to Tommy Reese uh, uh, aging to such a point where he looked like the crypt keeper from uh, from Tales from the Crypt, yeah. Or like when uh, when uh, when the bad guy in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, you know, drinks from the wrong cup, drinks from the wrong Grail. I, I about the time that he got on the phone with Drew Pine is about the time uh, when I thought all that was going to happen. So, but they pull it out, they get the win. Um, 
the ending of the game was just as exciting, I think. <laughs> um, by the way, that was a bad beat. Uh, <laughs> that really was a bad beat. I believe the point total on Saturday, uh, I believe that closed at 41 and a half. And if you had taken the over on that game, like a bunch of people did, um, if you took the over on that, my condolences. <laughs> Thought you had it. Thought you had it with, uh, with, the, uh, with the fumble recovery, but, uh, you know, his, his knee was down. His knee was down. But, man... There were some people counting their money a little bit early that day. In fact, some of that money counting was was almost in the secondary. Please tell me they worked on tip drills this week. Please, please tell me they worked on that. <laughs> please tell me that they didn't get with the volleyball team and worked on their volleys. No, they worked on knock it down drills. Those were the ulcers that, you know, kind of developed for me, you know, especially at the end of the game. Reggie and I watching the game from from deep inside the uh, the recesses of the stadium, and it's just like, whew. But again, they got the win. So it's on North Carolina, and hopefully they can uh, get things evened up at 2-2, two and two. Uh, heading into the bye week, a much needed bye week, by the way. Uh, that 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 can't be stressed enough, quite honestly. Um, from Monday's press conference, here's Marcus Freeman on uh, on what to expect with the North Carolina offense. Um, spoiler alert: a lot. Yeah, um, shoot. After last year, I mean, you know. We know we we're going to face a, a really good offense last year, and they, they put up a lot of yards against us, a lot of points. Um, Coach Longo's a guy I met even when I was at Cincinnati. Um, I met him my first year when I was there, and, and a guy that I've had respect for and followed kind of just throughout his coaching career. Um, listen, they're a talented offense, and they have a veteran offensive line group, you know, with a couple guys that transferred. This quarterback is playing really really good football right now and I know he's a young guy but he is playing as good as any quarterback in the country and you know I, I, we expect downs to be back um, from injury and so listen we got our work cut out for us um, they're going to try to take advantage of what you give them defensively that's what um, they're able to do and, and they're going to go at different tempos and they're going to make you get lined up fast and that was something last year we weren't able to do and so we have to be prepared and have to make sure we have a good plan to, to try to limit what they do offensively uh this is an offense that has scored uh in order uh 56 63 and 35 points in their first three games I'm trying to do the quick math in my head. What does that work out to? I think at least at least 40 a game average. On the flip side, though, they've given up 24, 61, and 28 in those three games. That 63-61 game against App State was unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> that was an that was an unbelievable watch. Anyway, I digress. Uh, so for all the firepower that that North Carolina has on offense, um, Notre Dame is still going to have plenty of chances to match each one of those. Again, they they find they finally got a running game going with. Uh, with Tyree and Estime, uh, they led they led the way, which is exactly what this team should be doing. 147 yards on the ground altogether for uh, you know between the two of them. They they both also led in the receiving game too, as far as catches and yardage. Notre Dame is going to have its shots. They just have to not not make mistakes. 
All right? They got to open they do have to open things up a little bit. You can't just rely on the running game. I mean, you got to get you know you got to get Styles, you got to get Lindsey, you got to get Michael Mayer involved especially. Michael like Michael Mayer was a ghost for a good chunk of that game. Here's Marcus Freeman on opening up that uh, that offense with Drew Pine. Yeah, I believe he can open the, the the passing game is what I think you're talking about. I think he can open up the passing game. He's got a strong arm. and, and But what we were trying to do Saturday is, again, what we needed to do to win. Um, and and that's what we ended up doing. But hopefully the second half is is a better indication of who Drew Pine is. You know, he is, uh, he's a passionate dude. And, and sometimes that can be your almost your your biggest challenge as you looked at the start of the game. I think maybe sometimes he's so excited, so anxious that he was, you know, making throws a little bit lower than he usually does or maybe a little bit higher than he usually does just because of the game. And for him to calm down and, and really be like, Drew, go play. Go play. Do the things that you've done to get you to this point and go play and to see him settle down and, and turn around and execute the, you know, the one, I think about the third and three catch on third down to, to Lorenzo Styles and to throw the ball away from the defender. And those little things, man, are, you know, just take the, take the layups that they give you, you know, and there was a couple early in the game that we were missing. And so um, I have a lot of confidence in Drew running this offense and being able to throw the ball downfield if we need to, um, depending on what the defense is doing and making the right decision. Like I said, they're going to get their chances. This is not a very good team on defense. A little bit non-existent, you could even say. At times, looks like they're playing only nine guys on the team on defense. <laughs> Like some of these, some of these scores that have happened against North Carolina, uh, like a high school team, like like Mishawaka. All right, the Cavemen easily could have scored against North Carolina. Would have made it a game against North Carolina. I'm just saying. Notre Dame is going to have its chances, and hopefully they can open up the uh, the offense. Uh, still, the words "grad transfer quarterback" just just like to permeate its way into uh, into the unconscious of uh, of Notre Dame fans everywhere. Uh, here's Marcus Freeman on on well that whole situation. About after a season, you know, and and see where Tyler Buckner is coming back from injury. See, you know, we got a, a long season ahead of us. We still got nine guaranteed games in front of us to to evaluate Drew and Steve Angeli and and Ronnie Prolis. And and if that's a position of need that we need to go and get a high school quarterback or get a, a transfer quarterback, we'll, we'll definitely evaluate that and make I, that decision. I meant last winter. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If, if this was a conversation you guys had as a staff. Yes. Like, okay. We discussed it right when I became the head coach. I had conversations with, with Coach Reese about it, and um, we felt like at that moment we did not need to get a college transfer. Okay. Just I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say a thing about it. not going to add to it. Not gonna head. Nope. 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 By the way, if you're watching on Twitch, uh, yeah, I was just screwing with the height of the chair so that it didn't look like I was, uh, you know, just barely peeking over the bottom of the screen. <laughs> Our Twitch channel, by the way, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Uh, Twitch, of course, free app, free to watch. Go there and. Uh, I kind of look like I have a tan. There's no makeup involved here either. Could just be some hypertension, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Uh, something that, uh, that, that, that Notre Dame definitely had was uh, some fourth quarter success as well this week. And here's Marcus Freeman's thoughts on that. I don't know exactly what it was that made them do that, because if I did, we would do it at the start of the game. But... It was good to see. I think it was just the confidence. It was the defense coming out of the half, out of the, the locker room, going three and out. The offense um, driving the ball. I think I don't know. We the coming up offense. Um, we got the personal foul. Okay, the roughing the passer on Drew as we were driving, and then we ran the same running play four plays in a row, and we got into thirteen personnel. 
I think Audra got eight yards on the first play. We said, run it again, run it again, bam. Got a first down, run it again, run it again, and we end up scoring. So four plays in a row we ran um, the same play, and it turned into points. And then the next series, um, I put we had an eight-play drive. It ended up in a field goal, eight-play drive, six runs and two RPOs. You know, And so when you're able to run the ball with efficiency, I think it gains confidence and it opens up so many other options for you. Yeah, Estime was he was running like like how I think he should. Just the way just the way that guy's built, he's built to run guys over. That's what he needs to do more of. He doesn't need to be he doesn't need to be the 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 uh you know the little, little scat back kind of running all over the place, kind of dancing his way you know to 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 get around guys. He's just got to run dudes over. He can do it. He, he's he's a big boy. Leave that stuff to Chris Tyree. And, oh, by the way, keep getting Chris Tyree involved in the offense because, oh, look, that equaled a win. And they can even survive. They, they found out that they can survive even with a fairly quiet day from Michael Mayer. Here's Marcus Freeman about that. Um, I'm trying to look. I wrote there was two. So in series three of the game, right, we miss Mayer twice. We attempt to hit Mayer on the first down, right? We we miss him, and then on a third down, we miss him. And that after that series, when we had that conversation to go, okay, no, actually the fourth series we went three and out. The fifth series when we said. All right, man, we need to start running the ball. And so we kind of went away from kind of the passing mindset early in the game and said, okay, let's start establishing the run game. And that's probably why his targets went down. Um, when it mattered the most, everybody knew who we were going to and he was able to execute. But listen, we got to find ways to get the ball in Michael Mayer's hand. We understand that. And we tried to earlier, didn't execute the way we wanted. So we had to kind of board a little bit and say, let's establish this run game and, and adjust our plan. But Every week's a plan. One of the main plans would be get the ball to Michael Mayer. Yeah, I'm pretty like if if North Carolina's not sent, you know, they're they're nine guys in on defense. If they're not preparing those guys for that this week, then <laughs> what are you waiting for, huh? There's a way to there's a way to do both. You can get the running game involved. You can get Michael Mayer involved too. You can get hell. You can have a whole well-rounded offense. Really, there's a way to do it. Drew Pine just I think kind of has to get out of his head sometimes. Seems like seems like the kind of kid who puts a lot of pressure on himself. And granted, it's a very pressure-packed position. Not gonna not gonna deny him that at all. Not gonna deny him that. But, you know, step back a little bit, okay? Just just step back a little bit and just let everything come to you. You may not have much of a choice with the offensive line anyway. <laughs> That's another story for another day, I think. Leprechaun Lunch brought to you by the fine folks at First State Bank, locally owned and operated. Also by Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Jerry Madsen, Jerry Madsen in Osceola or Craig Langhofer, Craig Langhofer in New Carlisle. I think I need a little sip of my beverage real quick. <clears throat> I'm a professional. Also by South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Earlier this week, Darren talked with Tyler Horka of Blue and Gold Illustrated. Of course, uh, those two are uh, are the gentlemen behind Game Day Sports Beat, powered by Michelob Ultra. That will come your way tomorrow at noon. Uh, I'll replay their uh, their their Monday conversation coming up next. It's Leprechaun Lunch on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. A huge, massive uh, pregame experience coming your way. Marcus Freeman show replay from uh, from last night. 
We'll have that starting at 9 a.m. Basically, coach's thoughts heading into the game uh, tomorrow against uh, North Carolina. That's Tim Growl and myself with Legacy Heating and Air Game Day at 10. A couple of hours with uh, some nice talks with uh, Irish legends past and, uh, well, Irish legends of the past. (laughs) There's no such thing as a present legend, is there? (laughs) Anyway, uh, tomorrow on the show, uh, Gojo going to be joining us. Mike Golick Jr. He'll be uh, be joining us. Also, uh, let's see, Dr. Brian Radican, the uh, current head orthopedic physician for the Fighting Irish. He'll be on the phone with us from uh, from Chapel Hill. Uh, also going to be joined w- by uh, former Notre Dame National Championship and longtime Bears kicker Bob Thomas. Uh, we've got uh, Notre Dame's second all-time recorded sack leader, linebacker, uh, linebacker Corey Miner, and also former team captain and standout punter Tyler Newsom. That is all tomorrow on Legacy Heating and Air Game Day. And then, of course... Game Day Sports Beat, powered by Michelob Ultra, which is where you can hear these two gentlemen chop it up, Darren Pritchett and Tyler Horka. Here they are from Monday's weekday Sports Beat here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I guess let's just start with your perspective on Notre Dame figuring out a way to win this game. I mentioned at the start of the program, I'm going to try to make everybody happy today because the average fan might be just happy. Hey, they won a game, thank goodness. The diehard might be saying, okay, they won the game, I'm happy, but... Cal's not that good, and we still should be playing a whole lot better. How do you kind of put into words the meaning of this victory for the Irish? I think at this point, you have to look at the season with a bit of a curve or maybe the expectations you realize aren't what they were were at the beginning of the year. You have to alter the way that you look at it after an 0-2 start. And maybe you weren't doing that after the loss to Ohio State because I think Notre Dame did enough good things in that game to say, okay, maybe we're not so far off. If that team is destined to be in the college football playoff, then we played them within 11 points. And if our offense gets a little bit better, then we're right there. I think that's why you saw Notre Dame stay in the top 10 in the polls. But when then you lose to a Marshall team at home that the very next week loses to Bowling Green, which is not a very good transitive look for Notre Dame in that sense. And I know we're only three weeks in, so everyone's kind of obsessed with the transitive property things. But, man, that I, you have to look at the season with uh, changed expectations. And if you do that, then I think you lean more toward Saturday's win over Cal being a, a very good thing because you look at that betting line. It started at 17.5 over the <laughs> summer, dropped all the way to 10. It was under double digits at some point. So everybody knew – it was going to be a pretty close game, and Notre Dame goes out and wins by a touchdown. And defensively, you know, there were some things that you'd like to have back, but at the end of the day, you only give up 17 points. And offensively, you're starting a quarterback for the very first time again for the second time in, in three games. So I don't think there was much to expect offensively with Drew Pine starting and the offensive line looking shaky early and the wide receivers not being much of a threat at all, but somehow you managed to make enough plays, and Drew Pine did that. The, the touchdown pass to Michael Mayer was awesome. The couple of passes before that, he moved the chains on third down to Lorenzo Styles, and then hit Estimate over the middle on the catch and run. So Pine made enough plays. The running game got going enough. And then, like I said, I don't think the defense was, was all too bad. Now, like you said, all of that is against the Cal team that – I don't know, might end up 6-6 six and six in a really cruddy Pac-12. <laughs> That's not a very good football team over there. But, you know, I don't want to say Notre Dame is not a very good football team, but they're definitely not as good as everyone thought they would be. So at this point, I think it has become a season in which you have, you have got to look at every single win as a good thing, and Notre Dame finally got one this past Saturday. We all agreed that the Ohio State offensive game plan was extremely conservative. Personally, I call the Cal offensive game plan simple, which to me is different than conservative. I don't believe they asked Drew Pine to do a whole lot in this game. He was not going to put the offense on his back because they just did not have him throw the football down the field hardly at all. 
As you look ahead into the coming weeks, it sure looks like, Tyler, if you're going to win some of these more marquee games against a Carolina Clemson, you're going to have to score some points. Do you see the possibility that when the handcuffs are taken off a little more, we will see Drew Pine to be able to run this offense at a fairly high level? Uh, I would say yes and no. It's a scary proposition if you're Notre Dame because Marcus Freeman said today, we don't want to get into a shootout with North Carolina, and I'm pretty sure everybody in the Goob doesn't want to get in a shootout with North Carolina. But then going along the lines of what you said, you kind of do want to open it up no matter who you're playing, and North Carolina just so happens to be the next team on the schedule. So Drew Pine only threw three of his 23 pass attempts more than 10 yards downfield. I mean, that sounds like we're playing football in the 1940s, and this is 2022. So you got to look downfield at some point. But I'll ask you, who is Notre Dame going to look downfield to right now? Mm. They tried the Braden Lindsay thing when Tyler Buckner was still healthy, and we saw, you know, four or five attempts in the Marshall game alone that didn't that Braden Lindsay didn't come up with. And now some of that was on Buckner, but I think some of that is on Lindsay too. So the wide receivers have to get better, and they they have to prove that it's worth throwing the ball downfield because we could sit here all day and say Notre Dame needs more of a vertical element. Notre Dame needs to get downfield. Notre Dame needs to stretch the defense. All of those things are true. Nobody is denying that. But I think the real question is, can Notre Dame effectively do that right now? And I think Drew Pine has the arm for it. But right now this offense just is not operating at a level with its wideouts that lends itself to, to going downfield. So I mean, if they get behind North Carolina, they're going to be forced to go downfield a little bit because the the RPO stuff and a lot of the screen passes, I think all that was awesome. That's going to beat Cal probably nine out of the ten times you play the Bears. But is that going to beat North Carolina nine out of the ten times you play the Tar Heels? I'm not sure. So, yes, Notre Dame needs to open it up. But right now the Irish need to be asking themselves, how are we going to do that and can we even do that? They've got to get better in that aspect in a hurry. Might start seeing a little bit more of Tobias Merriweather, by the way things sound. He's Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read all about it at blueandgold.com. I don't, I don't know how much you put into the grades that Pro Football Focus delivers every week, but according to their numbers from the Cal game of the 19 offensive players they graded, The top three were offensive linemen. For the second straight week, left tackle Joe Alt was the most productive offensive player, according to Pro Football Focus. No surprise who was second, Jared Patterson. Maybe a lot of people would be surprised that Zeke Carell, the center, was graded at number three. Maybe as surprising, Blake Fisher, the right tackle, was 18th. Now, I don't know what goes into their grading. I'm not here to try to figure out how they come up with all this, if they're right or wrong. But that's one way of analyzing the offensive line because that's one of the more difficult things to do because we don't have stats that we can look at. Do you feel like the offensive line took steps forward? And part two of my question is, the run game numbers don't look great at 3.6, but Cal came into this game trying to stop the run, and if you're not going to get the ball down the field, that's probably going to keep the rushing numbers down, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And to the first part of your question, I think the Notre Dame offensive line is is what it is right now. It's a little bit inconsistent. You have the guys like Joe Alt, Jared Patterson. Who would you expect? to play very well and they did and Zeke Carell probably had his best of the game of the season and that's an encouraging thing but then uh, you know Blake Fisher struggled a little bit and I know he's probably maybe the most talented guy or the the guy you would say has the most upside on the Notre Dame offensive line but that was his fifth game of his career to start and he's showing signs of a guy who's trying to learn on the fly a little bit and you know it's not like he was able to, to practice through all of the games that he missed last year. I mean, he was standing on the sideline because he underwent a knee procedure and, you know, he, he was physically limited. So all of those things kind of add up and, and he's struggling a little bit. And that right side of the line is struggling a little bit just in general. I think Josh Lug can, can play much better and he needs to play much better for Notre Dame. But you are a little bit um, encouraged by what happened on the left side of the line. I think Joe Alts is, is getting better by the game and, you know, he's a guy that came on strong last year in, in, in a way that Fisher wasn't 
able to because of that injury. So you're, you're seeing kind of the disparity in those two sophomores and what an entire half of, you know, half a season of football was able to do for Alt. And then, yeah, the, the running game looked a lot better. I think there was a lot of push. I mean, this was a, a power five team that Notre Dame was up against. So and even though Marshall came in here and beat Notre Dame, technically they were probably playing a little bit better of athletes against Cal and, and you're going up against a Cal defense led by Justin Wilcox that, you know, kind of likes to hang its hat on that side of the ball. So all of those things considered, I think it was a pretty good day for the Notre Dame offensive line. Could be better. It's still an inconsistent unit, but you're starting to see some of the things that you think Notre Dame could be doing really well in October and November when this season, when this team wants to be playing its best football. And, of course, Marshall lost at Bowling Green in overtime, 34-31, to a Bowling Green team that had not won a game going into the matchup against Marshall. That's just college football being college football. One more offensive question before we shift to defense. I know you asked Coach Freeman this today about any chance you kind of dust off the old Ohio State game plan where it was run, 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 trying to keep Ohio State off the field? Well, here's a Carolina team averaging 50 points per game. Uh, what type of answer did you get from Marcus? And give me your cliff note version of your answer for that because I know we're going to talk quite a bit about that on game day on Saturday. Yeah, basically, he, Marcus Freeman said – the, the, the circumstances are all unique week to week. And yes, Ohio State and North Carolina maybe do some things similarly. And just the amount of yards and points that they both pile up, which is a lot for both of them. But, you know, Notre Dame needs to, to think of itself in this, at this point. I think, um, you know, it knows the person that is sending out there. It's going to be Drew Pine once again. And, does Drew Pine want to get into a shootout? We talked about that a little bit earlier. Probably not, but at some point you, you kind of have to look at who's on the other side of the field as well and say, okay, Rick May is a guy that is putting up a touchdown pretty much every drive at this point, and what do we have to do to combat that? Well, Marcus said, you know, it's not all about our offensive game plan that's going to kind of make or break and be the difference in this game. It's can the defense get some stops? Can the defense get a turnover that it didn't against <laughs> Ohio State? Yeah. You know, Notre Dame is going to have to score more than 10 points to beat anybody. I said here, I said it on our pregame shows. You know, I've, I've pretty much told everybody that when, when I'm having conversations about Notre Dame football. So it, it, it's got to be complimentary. Both sides of the ball have to be operated effectively. But I, I do think that at this point, we know enough about Notre Dame, and Notre Dame might know enough about it, itself to say – yeah, I think we have to conjure up a specific game plan depending on who we're playing because maybe the one that they put out there against Cal, which you said simple, doesn't get it done against a team like North Carolina. And you have to remember, North Carolina's defense, for as good as its offense is, Cardinals' defense is yeah. very susceptible to giving up big plays and a lot of points. So maybe you get a little bit more aggressive knowing who you're facing. So that, that kind of wraps up everything I just said right there. Know your foe. And, yeah, your game plan is going to change depending on the opponent because Notre Dame does not have a prolific offense that can go out against anybody in the country and say, we're just going to play our game and we're going to beat you. I think we've seen enough through three games to know that, yeah. you know, there's going to have to be a little bit of a game plan involved, especially when you're going up against a team that can score like North Carolina. He's Tyler Horkin, Notre Dame football beat reporter, Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. You kind of cut up throughout your answer there, so I don't know if you shifted seats, maybe hold up a water bottle, change something, because it was a little, little crackly there, so we'll try it again with this particular question answer. But I wanted to go defensive-minded thoughts for a couple of moments, including your reaction to Ben Morrison getting the start over Clarence Lewis at one of the cornerback spots. Is this a game-specific decision or is this something that you feel like will be the norm going forward okay i just took my ear my earphones out because i heard they said i was cutting up and yeah we have all this technology now but sometimes <laughs> the technology doesn't really want to work for us so, so i heard you talking about uh, benjamin morrison starting over clarence yeah. lewis and then there was a the second part of your question do you feel like that's going to be the norm or was that a game specific decision yeah, I'm not so sure if that was a game-specific decision because, yeah, Cal had some guys that you're a little bit scared of, and, and Sturdivant, who, by the way, went to my high school, which is which hmm. is a pretty cool thing back in North Texas, but he was matched up with Cam Hart all day, and if that was your most worrisome matchup, then you know you, you left one of your starters out there 
in the first place. So I, I think this is more of a, a personnel thing, and I, I think they really like the, the confidence that Morrison has, and it doesn't really matter who they're going up against. You're going to see this kid play, and um, North Carolina, Josh Downs is going to be healthy, and, and they've got a lot of guys that they can throw at Notre Dame. So I think you're going to see the healthy rotation defensive backs once again. And Clarence Lewis, uh, Marcus Freeman was not you know, shy to talk him up in the press conference today too. And he said, yeah, he didn't get the start, which snapped a, a streak of 19 straight starts, which is one of the longest on the team. Might have been the longest on the team. I need to take, take a double look at that. So that's pretty nuts to go back to his freshman year where he started six games and then he started all 13 games last year and played the most snaps and here you have a true freshman taking that away from him but he came in I think he had a pass breakup he was you know there to make multiple plays I think Clarence Lewis has had a rebound type of season Benjamin Morrison is obviously really confident and playing really well for, for only being three games into his college career so you've got a couple guys right there that you really like. I think Jaden Mickey, I mean, they tested him against Ohio State, obviously. I think Morrison has been the better of those two. So you've got three corners in your rotation that you really like. But I think Mickey needs to get to a place where he can spell Hart a little bit more because, you know, they went out Cam Hart last week, and, and it worked for Cal for a little while there. So I think Notre Dame wants to get to a point where it has four corners that it really, really trusts. And yep. right now Lewis and Morrison are, are two of those, and they're kind of interchangeable. We entered this season knowing that C.J. Stroud and Caleb Williams were going to be handfuls at the quarterback position playing against the Irish defense. I'm not sure the expectations of Derek May of North Carolina was going to be in that classification, and maybe he's still not at that particular level, but my goodness, Tyler, this guy is playing at a high level. He stood and watched Sam Howell last year at North Carolina, former Alabama commit. He's doing it all right now for this Carolina offense. So how would you assess the problems that Notre Dame could have with this quarterback on Saturday? I think they could have a lot of problems. And you just go watch his game tape, obviously, and then you watch his interviews, and you just can't help but be really impressed by this redshirt freshman who, yeah, like you said, learned from what a lot of people were calling one of the better college quarterbacks in the last two, three years in Sam Howell, and now – He's coming out here and doing it at probably an even better level. Now, he hasn't played a type of team like Notre Dame yet. You mentioned played an FCS opponent, Alabama, or Florida A&M, excuse me, and he played Georgia State and then Appalachian State, obviously. So the defenses that he's faced, I mean, those defenses can be had, and I think Notre Dame is a lot better than them. But, boy, strong arm, can put the ball anywhere, accurate arm, um, really sturdy guy that – you know, he's not known as a runner, but he can get out and run a little bit, and that kind of hurt Notre Dame with Jack Plummer and Cal this past weekend. You know, the the main reason that Cal was in that game in the second half, I think, was Plummer's legs being able to extend plays and, and keep a drive going. So Drake May can do all of that, and he's even better with his arm. You saw Plummer miss a lot of throws that, you know, I was sitting in the press box, and I said, mm. man, that throw gets <laughs> Cal offense off the field, and gets the Notre Dame defense off the field and puts Drew Pine back out there to, to maybe finally start doing some things, and they did. So if Drake May hits those throws, which I think he does because the weapons around him are so good too, you know, Notre Dame could find itself in a hole early. And when we were talking earlier, I don't think Notre Dame has the, the offense to want to play in a game like that where it's got to play catch-up. So if you're Notre I mean, you saw it on Marcus Freeman's face today. If you're Notre Dame, you're absolutely worried about Drake May in that offense and – I mean, North Carolina is kind of a potent powerhouse off. Again, the teams that they played, you'll bring them back down to earth. But, I mean, the Tar Heels went out and racked up, what was it, 450 yards, close to 500 yards against Notre Dame last year. And I think they're just as good. The quarterback play has not fallen off yeah. with Sam Howell going to the NFL. So it's, it's a tough and scary matchup on the road for Notre Dame. What's happening this week at Blue and Gold Illustrated, specifically blueandgold.com? Oh, tons, tons, tons. We're still recapping the Cal game. We've got a couple more things coming out. Um, I've been doing the thing where I try to dig into some film and really analyze a certain aspect of the game. So look for that Tuesday morning on blueandgold.com. Coworker Patrick Engel does a really good job with that. He put his rewatch out this morning and a lot of really insightful tidbits and stuff and, uh, 
a statistic or two that I probably used here because I, I love reading his stuff and he, he really digs into it. So we're covering Notre Dame like nobody else. And I can't believe we're already a quarter of the way through yes. this regular season. So no, no better time than now to pick up blueandgold.com, get their $1 for an entire year of premium access and kind of enjoy the rest of the season with us. It's, it's one that's turned into a season where you don't really know what, know what to expect. And I think that's the best time to kind of be engaged a community like blueandgold.com because there's so much to talk about. Besides all the football talk for you hockey geeks, there's actually a hockey theme on the message board right now with the uscho.com preseason poll coming out. So if you're into hockey, there's a little thread already starting on the message board at blueandgold.com. Just a little added bonus to all the other very important things involving football right now. And Tyler, I will talk to you on the phone on Saturday as you'll be in Chapel Hill covering the game for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Tyler will co-host game day with me from noon until 2.30. Looking forward to chatting with you once again. Yeah, I can't wait, Darren. It's going to be a good time. All right. Safe travels to Chapel Hill. We'll talk to you then. All right. Thanks, Darren. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. And there we are. Coming up, some uh, some betting numbers. We've got Notre Dame. We've got some prop bets for Notre Dame as well. And we'll go through the uh, the top twenty five, or as much as you know, as much as we can of the top twenty five, and also the NFL action for this weekend. A Leprechaun lunch powered by First State Bank. Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT. Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT. Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank, locally owned and operated. Also brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Also by Four Winds Casinos, your entertainment escape must be 21 years old. Please play responsibly. Notre Dame, as far as uh, the, uh, the numbers go. Slight underdogs. Line of a point and a half right now. On, uh, on most sports books. Point and a half to two points. Depends on where you go. So, there's that for you, you know? Uh, as far as uh, a couple of profits go. Oh, hello. Hi. Hi, Pitbull. <laughs> Pitbull waits for no one. Uh, as far as uh, the, uh, the point total, 59 and a half. Where do we go with that? Of course, my math was way off. <laughs> way off as far as uh, what what North Carolina is averaging as far as points per game. 51.3! Irish defense giving up just 21.3 points per game. Irish defense has come out. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I think... The defense is definitely the uh, the strong part of the team. Um, do they keep North Carolina at bay? Do they keep that offense at bay? I think that's why the offense has to has to show up tomorrow. Yeah, you know, running game has to get has to get going early. Drew Pine's got to open things up with the passing game early and just keep at it because. Uh, that is that is a formidable task. That is a formidable offense that the Irish defense is going up against tomorrow. 51, 51.3 points per game. Ridiculous. Needless to say, over on that one. Um, and then also, uh, passing yards for Drew Pine. That's a 274.5. I think that's going to be... I think that's going to be under. But again, I, I don't think that that's going to be a bad thing. It's not going to be far under, I don't think. Again, North Carolina's defense ah! could be some uh, could be some good medicine for Drew Pine just before the bye week. So go under, but not too far under. Uh, who's going to lead rushing yards uh, week four? Buckner. Well, obviously not Buckner. Thanks, USA Today. Uh, Audric Estime, though, on the list. 
Hell, let's go with Chris Tyree instead. <laughs> this was obviously something that that was put together like before the season started, and uh, then nobody ever bothered to, to change it. All right, sweet. Uh, who will lead Notre Dame in rushing yards week four? Estimate Tyree, other, um, whichever way you go. Personally, I think Estime will, but I think it's going to be pretty even. If I were you, I I, I just wouldn't I wouldn't lay money on that on that prop. Quite honestly, I just I just wouldn't do it. Who will lead in receiving yards? Michael Mayer, Lorenzo Styles, or other? They got to get Michael Mayer going more tomorrow. Like he's got he's got to, he's got to be in it early. And I know North Carolina is going to you know probably double team him every chance that they can. He is kind of a beast that way. But when he's got the double teams going, there's going to be somebody who's either one-on-one with somebody or somebody who's wide open. Just look for that guy, all right? It'd be nice if Styles led there. Wouldn't mind, wouldn't mind that. But I mean, Mayor, you know, also. So, <laughs> hell, the running game may may lead in receiving as well. Who knows? Who knows? As long as you just, as long as you're able to score more points against North Carolina, that's really all you need to worry about. All right. Again, that offense averages fifty-one point three points. Rest of the top 25, as far as the numbers go, Kent State is at number one, Georgia. <laughs> 45 point spread for Georgia. Uh, Michigan is a 17 point favorite uh, at home against Maryland tomorrow. Both uh, both teams' Big Ten openers there. Number five, Clemson is on the road at Wake Forest, number 21 in the country. Clemson, a, a seven point favorite. 55 and a half the point total on that game, too. That uh, that may be something interesting. Central Michigan is at number 14, Penn State. The 28-point favorite in that game. <laughs> we still haven't gotten to the point where we're, uh, you know, kind of devoid of ridiculous spreads yet. I think we're starting to because there's, there's more, like, attainable goals. You know, more attainable spreads out there, such as... Number 17, Baylor at Iowa State. Iowa State, a two-and-a-half point favorite there at home. 45-and-a-half the, uh, the point total on that. Rhode Island is at number 24, Pitt. Uh, number 20, Florida is at number 11, Tennessee. Tennessee, a ten-and-a-half point favorite. That could be a shootout. 62-and-a-half is the, uh, the point total on that game. Number 22, Texas at Texas Tech. Another point total in the 60s. 61, Texas a seven-point favorite. Middle Tennessee being the uh, sacrifice to number 25, Miami. Miami a 25-and-a-half-point favorite there. Number 15, Oregon at Washington State. Oregon just a a six-and-a-half-point favorite there. Uh, Ole Miss, number 16, hosting Tulsa. 21-point favorite there. Uh, Ole Miss is. If Tulsa was, that would would be quite the story, wouldn't it? Uh, Northern Illinois down to number eight Kentucky, which just sounds weird to say anyway. Number eight Kentucky football. 26 and a half point favorite for the Wildcats. Uh, Another really good game for tomorrow coming out of the SEC. Number 10 Arkansas is at number 23 Texas A&M. A&M a slight two point favorite in that game. Alabama hosting Vanderbilt. Alabama of course number two and they're a 40 and a half point favorite. Two FCS schools and Vandy on their schedule. Just leave it at that. Wisconsin at number three, Ohio State. Ohio State, 19-point 19, uh, favorite. UConn is at number 12, NC State. NC State, a 38-and-a-half-point favorite. UConn, as I like to call them, uh, Hawaii of the East Coast. Kansas uh, Kansas State at number six, Oklahoma. Oklahoma, 12-and-a-half-point favorite. Number seven, USC at Oregon State. USC, the six-point favorite. 
Uh, Wyoming at number 19, BYU. BYU is a 21.5-point favorite. You know, like I said, we're still not out of the woods yet as far as that goes. Uh, number 13, uh, Utah, 15.5-point favorite at Arizona State. And then uh, Stanford at number 18, Washington. Washington, a 13.5-point favorite. As far as the NFL goes on Sunday, Texans and Bears. Bears a three-point favorite at home. Opened up at two and a half, up to three now. Chiefs are at the Colts. Um, who'd have thunk? Who'd have thunk that this game would be the stinker of those two? Yikes! Do the Colts wake up? I don't know. Five and a half point spread though. Chiefs obviously favored. Um, do you go Colts five and a half? That's one of those little bit too good to be true type spreads. Work with caution on that. All right. Um, let's see. Bills at Dolphins. Top the AFC East there. Bills favored by five and a half. I would take the Dolphins in the points because that's that's one of those too good to be true spreads that I actually feel good about. Especially after last week. Especially after the display that Tua put on last week. And then, of course, for my personal favorite, uh, the Giants, one-point favorite at home against the Cowboys, who are, of course, without Dak Prescott. There you go. See you tomorrow, 10 a.m., Legacy Heating and Air Game Day. This has been Leprechaun Lunch, powered by First State Bank on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. S-O-S-D-D, get this over with. Put us out our misery. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 